Welcome in to a brand new episode of a whole new ball game. I'm Alex Hughes. There's Vinny Patrotino, and we got a great show for you all with Ethan Chapman. He's a baseball agent and advisor for Full Circle Sports Management, and it's so great to always catch up with Ethan. Yeah, this was a fun interview. It's it's interesting to get that perspective of being a player and now moving on and being an agent. So this was a this was a pretty cool interview that shows a different side of the game um, that I think people will enjoy. And I first interviewed Ethan. I'll, I'll have to share the link with uh, the Twitterverse. But I, I sent Vinny, I sent you the link when I went back and I did my research because I remembered, I couldn't remember exactly when I first interviewed Ethan, but I was 16 years old from, I was sitting in this room actually, which is kind of sad. And uh, I called it the Fuse Nation, the Fuse Nation back then. What's up, Fuse Nation? That's what yeah. it's all about, baby. That's why I joined because I've always been a part of Fuse Nation. So this is just this is just building your brand even more, you know, going back through the time capsule and seeing who you interviewed before. And now we're just doubling back through. Um, so I'm sure Fuse Nation's going to be pumped that you have them back. I was pumped. So, I mean, unless you got anything, let's get right into it. Let's do it. Welcome to the show, Ethan Chapman. Joining us on the podcast today, Ethan Chapman. He's a regional director and agent and amateur advisor for Full Circle Sports Management. Ethan, how are we doing today? I'm good, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. It's great to be with you. And I was telling you before we got started, I went back in time, and I, I laughed at myself now because when I first interviewed you, it was back in 2017, and you were playing down in Mexico. And I won't butcher the name now, but I was so proud of myself in that interview. I have to show you that in the first minute, I tried saying it and I got it right. And I was, I was thrilled in that interview. <laughs> and so I was laughing at myself for that, but. Yeah, no, it was a good time down there. I was, um, you know, good time to learn the culture and the people and the language and all the new foods and all that too. So it was a good time me and my wife to go down there for that season. So, Ethan, when we start with you, we want to start with your playing career before we kind of move on with what you're doing now. But I would like to preface, I watched that interview, and Alex started with, what's up, Fuse Nation? Well, that's how I want to start one of our podcasts from now on, Alex. <laughs> I want to address Fuse Nation so they know that we're still looking out for them. Um, so you signed in 2012 with the Royals, and you, you went to rookie ball, then you climbed, and then you went over to the Phillies, kind of. What was your professional baseball experience like, um, you know, starting in 2012? Uh, obviously, the the draft was a dream come true. You know, just being able to finally accomplish that dream that I've been pursuing for so many years. Um, and being with the Royals, top-notch club, um, good people up top, and uh, they really value their players. So it was awesome to be able to start my career with them, get to know um, the life of being a pro athlete, and then um, – getting released, I think it was in 15, and then uh, signing on with the Phillies. Um, that was only there for like uh, six weeks, something like that. So it was a short stint with them, uh, but just continue to play. And then uh, did a little stint in indie ball as well. And then that year, that final year down in Mexico. And it was cool, man. Like it was, like I said, a dream come true. Um, got to meet a bunch of people and it really led into the career that I have now. So I'm really thankful for it. Looking back at your playing career, what would you be most proud of? Uh, I think 
just leaving it all on the field. Like, I think that even though I never made it to the big leagues, it was, it wasn't for lack of effort or work ethic or determination. It just wasn't in the cards. You know what I mean? So I think I can look back on it and just be proud of the overall career and the effort put forth just because, you know, some guys, they might, you know, go out and party or, you know, get distracted and, you know, I can honestly say that I was devoted to it and I put my best effort out and, you know, it just didn't work out. And, you know, sometimes you get, you forget how cool it was to be where you were because you're always looking to get to the next level or to get to the big leagues. And, you know, I've talked to friends that have had made it to the big leagues and that satisfaction only stays with you for so long. It's always trying to get to the next rung on the ladder. You know, okay, I got to get to arbitration. I got to get to free agency. I got to be an all-star. And, you know, I think just being content with my efforts, I, I feel like was easier for me to walk away from the game knowing that I did what I could. Yeah, I think that's definitely an interesting point because every kid's dream that plays baseball, they want to make it to the major leagues, but then there are so many other steps because once you make it, you want to stay there. And once you stay there, you want to get paid. So it's, there's never a, you know, until you get that 10 year, $350 million contract that two guys have or whatever it is, then you don't really, you never really make it per se. So it's interesting that, you know, it's nice to know that you. And it's even, yeah, ahead, even beyond that, too, with the guys in the Hall of Fame, you know, I bet you it's like, you know, they they get there and they're honored, but I bet you a little part of them's like, hey, I, I didn't get 100% of the votes, you know, and so it's like you never kind of get there, you know, and yeah. so, and I think that's a personal thing, and that's with, it, like, in most careers, too, you know, everyone's always chasing a dollar or chasing a promotion, and, you know, I think it's just a personal thing to kind of be content while still balancing, pursuing, and creating better life for yourself, you know, so it's a good balance there. Now, when you were playing, did you have any indication that you would want to become an agent at some point, or is it something that just kind of came about? No, honestly, um, it's quite the opposite. Like, I really didn't want to get involved with it, um, because, you know, there's somewhat of a negative stigma about agents, you know, there, there could be like a shadowy figure about it, you know, some underhanded deals or whatever. And I just, I wanted to make sure that my, my morals and my ethics stayed strong. So I really didn't want to be a part of it, but um, what kind of led into it was I played against our Florida agent. He was a a left-handed pitcher in the angels organization. And then our, my roommate for three years with the Royals, we actually represented and uh, he got to the big leagues with Detroit. And so for me, once I got towards the end of my career, they both kind of were like, Hey, this, this could be a good fit for you. And then I sat down with the founder of the company and, you know, it was a good chance for him to obviously feel me out, but I wanted to honestly see if I could be surround myself with good people continually, you know, and it starts at the top. And so once I sat down with our founder, Barton Cerrone, um, I got that vibe from him that he was pushing in the same direction. And um, it was kind of honestly pretty seamless after that. Now looking at it, what would you be most surprised about about the stigma of the agent now that you are one? Like, is it everything you expected it to be or are you still being surprised every day by your new role? Well, I think that's what's cool about it. Each day is different. You know, each draft's going to be different. There's, you know, you hope to do your best. You educate yourself the best you can on the, the rounds and the players and the draft process. But, 
it's so fluid. Um, so always learning about it in that way. Uh, but the, you know, there is still that negative stigma. And I think it's, you know, the agent's job to, you know, dispel that, you know, and to make sure that people and the families and the players know, like, you know, this is me as my character and my work ethic. And, you know, and our, our company's not going to fit everybody. I'm not going to be the right agent for every player. And we know that. And so that's not either one company's better or worse or whatever it is. I think it's really about a personal feel for the player and the family. And it's about building a strong, trusting relationship, you know. And so um, I intend to be pretty open and honest about guys and, you know, especially with their development and not really like to, you know, kiss a lot of butt for these kids that think that they're the best thing out there, you know, because we all need to get better and, um, you know, and myself included, you know, I need to get better and get well-versed and, you know, for me to open up doors for development for these kids and, and be honest with them because, you know, honestly, the draft is great and, uh, you know, kids are able to make some money in it, but we all know that, that they dream about playing on TV, you know, so it's the draft's cool, but the real money and the real career is in the big leagues. And so if they're not continually developing, then, you know, what are we talking about? Yeah, it's just a, like we could just keep going back to what we just talked about, about, you know, there's always that next step. I mean, some guys get drafted is their willingness to compete not necessarily the willingness to compete but just that willingness to get better some guys make it to the show lose it <laughs> you know it's it's that it's those guys that keep wanting to get better that seem to make it uh at a higher rate so <laughs> you know this as growing up as a player you hear about the business side of baseball but when you're in it you try to let other people take care of the business side especially you know for you with your you know whoever your agent is or whatever and now as an agent you couldn't be more in the middle of the business side of baseball. So what have you learned kind of, you know, you're not in enemy territory by any means, but you know, you're, you're right in that nasty business side that everybody hears about. So what's that kind of been like for you? No, it's been great. I've always enjoyed kind of being the, the middleman and you know, like the problem solver, you know, so to be able to do that. And uh, like you said, kind of take the players minds off of those things so they can focus on the diamond and what they're trying to do. Um, but it's it's the the game of baseball has become a business now, even into like the high school ranks, you know, and so you see these kids that they get on a ranking site or their number drops in a ranking nowadays in high school or college or whatever. And it's like they start to lose the love of the game so much earlier than before, you know, like you know, I started to lose the love like while in pro ball and, you know, it's became a business for me, obviously, and like so one of the main things I preach now is holding on to that love as long as possible, because once you lose that, it's really hard to get out of bed and compete every day, you know, because it becomes a selfish thing and you start chasing the dollar or whatever it may be. So, you know, and in, in keeping that childlike mindset of what baseball really is, um, I feel like it just, it allows you to compete and develop the way you should. Do you feel like you ever got the love back now that you're out of the game? Honestly, I think that my stints in indie ball in Mexico allowed me to do that because there was this purity about the way they went about playing the game. You know, it was something where, you know, in indie ball, they might not have played affiliate and they were there making, you know, $800 a month and, you know, they're just grinding and they actually love the game. And same thing down in Mexico, it was, you know, they the way they per, they went after infield outfield before a game or the way they took batting practice, the way they prepared, it was just 
pure and and honest and um you know they wanted the best out of themselves because you know that was their big leagues down there you know and so they were preparing every day to put on a show and um to really work hard you know so i think those last little bits of my career um allowed me to walk away knowing that i was okay with the game you know I, i've had some friends that when they're done playing you know they can't even watch baseball for a few years after they're done and so for me to go right back into the into baseball as an agent it was it was easier than I thought it was going to be. Do you think it would have benefited you as a player when you were still playing affiliated baseball to potentially have gone internationally through the through the winter ball leagues to see the culture change that way um, in a winter league? Do you think that could have potentially helped your affiliated career? Yeah, I, I think so. It probably could have, but you know, and you know, it's not passing the buck or anything. It was, it was. I, my issue, you know, is my heart issue. It was starting to think like, you know, everything's great when they're promoting you and pushing you and you're doing well. And then you're really tested when the promotions stop or you go through a slump. You know, those are the times where, you know, your character shows. And, you know, for me, it strugg I struggled with it because, you know, you everything's going good until it's not, you know. And so that's what's the hard, hardest thing about baseball. Uh, specifically because in basketball, like LeBron could have the worst game ever. He's still going to score 25, you know? And so for in baseball, you can go 0 for 12, 0 for 15, and you dread going to the box the next day. At what point did you realize your love wasn't as strong as it used to be? I think it's a steady process. I don't think it actually hit me until I got down to indie ball or Mexico, you know, I don't think that it was a conscious, like, this isn't fun anymore or a conscious, like, you know, I hate baseball or anything like that. I think it was just a steady progression. And then, you know, you don't really realize it until you're on your way out of it. So I don't want to talk about your non-love for baseball anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but so as an agent, there's many different things that you'll, you know, you'll do for the player. You represent the player in negotiations with the teams and negotiations with companies for different things for the player. What do you think is the, your favorite part about being an agent? Is it the relationship with the player or what you can do for the player? What, what is that? Yeah, I think it, for me, it's the relationship with the player and, and the trust that's involved. And like I said, our company is really big on the development side. And so if I'm able to open a door to, you know, a state-of-the-art training facility or a mobility specialist or whatever it may be, something that really takes the, that can add value to their game, you know, because like I said earlier, like that's the, that's the goal, you know, for them to continue to develop and get to the big league. So if I can put them in the right spot that they're able to do that and have access to those things and they see the progression, I think that's the coolest moment for me is like, obviously when they get drafted or get to the big leagues, that's, you know, a top tier, you know, moment for sure. But for them to see those little progressions and those little gains in their, their preparation and their development and seeing things start to click for them, whether it's mechanically hitting or mechanically pitching, like, I think that's what I see. Cause I think that's the player inside of me. And I start to understand what they're trying to accomplish. And then once it clicks for them and everything kind of aligns, I feel like that's a pretty cool moment to be involved with. How much do you think it helps? Because obviously I'm sure you know other agents through other agencies, but how much would you say you have the advantage as a former player in this field of being an agent? 
No, I think it's helpful. You know, a lot of the the families when we go and recruit kids or uh, you know pros now that it's it they they want to know that they're represented by someone that's been through it and that understands the process. And so I think um, it's pretty valuable now, uh, especially being you know in my early 30s, um, still being not so far removed from playing. You know, obviously that mm-hmm. at a certain point, my experience as an agent will you know, overlap my experience as a player, you know, and so I think once I get to there, um, you know, my experience as an agent is going to speak for itself, but, you know, coming into the industry just a few years ago, um, relying a lot on my, uh, my company to teach me, but also my playing career and my connections through there was huge. And so um, I think it's, it makes everything a little bit easier and the players a little bit more calm when they understand that their representation knows the day in and day out of the minor league or big league lifestyle. Mm. Mm-hmm. What does your day to day look like? I'm sure you're busier in the off season because more things are happening um, in your business world. But during the season, what does your day to day look like? Are you traveling to games to watch things? Are you paying attention through social media, whatever it is? Like, what does your day to day look like? Yeah, no, it's a lot of travel one in a typical year, obviously with uh, mm-hmm. you know normal travel stuff. But um, yeah, traveling to games. Um, and that's from big leagues, minor leagues, college, high school, you know, always recruiting as well for the draft. And so, um, you know, we have a database with all the pro guys, um, all their stats and all that from each game. Um, but, you know, obviously going to spring training on in Florida and Arizona, but just making sure that the guys need everything. And constantly I, I handle a lot of the, the marketing for the company as well. So, you know, just those relationships with different companies and making sure the guys need get all their gear or even off field stuff that we, we work out for them too. So that's, and like I said, that's what I like about it. That it's not like a typical nine to five. It's pretty flexible. You know, there'll be maybe a day that for the first, you know, couple hours of the day, I have nothing going on. And then all of a sudden at like dinner time, my phone blows up and, you know, it's time to get to work. So it's yeah, there's no office hours. No, it's not. And so that's what, you know, and if you're, a motivated person or someone that can do okay with that kind of schedule that it works out fine for me, you know, but some people do need that, that structure of a nine to five. And, you know, luckily for me, I'm able to, to make it work. What's the longest you've gone without sleep? Ooh, I don't know. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty strong sleeper. I, uh, I'm typically in bed by 11 and up by five, you know, so I get my, my six hours in. I'm an early riser. Um, but you know, I, am usually in bed by 11 on non-travel days. Well, that's right. You got to set the example for your athletes, right? Huh? You gotta, you gotta make sure, you know, if you could do it, they could do it since they're still playing. Um, yeah, well, and that's a big part of it too. You know, we're not a, we, like I said, I want guys to get to the big leagues and accomplish their dreams. So if they're going out partying or if they're up late playing video games, like they're not showing up the ballpark ready to go, you know? And so that's their job. You know, and for a lot of kids, it's either they sign for a lot of money and they don't need to think that they need to put in the work or they're in high school and college and they think they've already made it because they're ranked high on some site. And, you know, all that's not true. You know, you need to be able to produce day in and day out, you know, and so for you to get sleep and wake up and go to the weights and, you know, do your thing. Or like, I feel like that's, like you said, a good example to set, but, you know, pushing them to do that as well. So when you look at the draft now, I'm sure it's changed, but since you just came in, you know, just came into the industry a few years ago, it probably hasn't changed quite as much for you as it would for some others. But with the use of technology now, 
how are you able to dissect if a player is good enough or not? Because I mean, a guy who doesn't know how to hit could hit a hundred off the tee and, and, you know, they're ranked really high, but like, how do you determine who you're going to, going to take on and, you know, who you're not? Well, I think that's where a lot of my playing career comes into effect is knowing what works and what doesn't, you know, knowing playing against guys or with guys that are in the big leagues now and what they've developed. And like you said, there has been some, you know, some changes, even as far as terminology goes, you know, what guys are actually trying to do inside the box or on the mound. And so just uh, staying up to date as much as you can with that. But also I feel like keeping a good middle ground between old school and new school, you know, about what they're looking for or the, you know, the analytics of things, you know, because they are important. Um, But just understanding that, the numbers on analytics are, I feel like a guide. And so when you know you're trying out something different mechanically and it produces this kind of result, how do you replicate that now? You know, and so those are the kind of things where I feel like you have a good balance and, um, you know, seeing these guys and I still like laying eyes on guys. I don't like to just go off of numbers or analytics or even kinematic sequences now that we go through. So just a a lot of different things that, um, you know, like you said, aren't, typical five years ago even you know I'm always interested in this question how much of you know the pie chart right that you're looking at a player that you might reach out to or something but how much is makeup uh fill out your pie chart when you're looking at uh prospects that you might choose uh I don't know a specific amount but it's a it's a big deal um especially if you're a team and you want to invest two five million dollars into a player you know, and that's on the big league level and a free agent contract, or even in the draft, it's, you want to make sure that he's not going to embarrass your club, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the whole thing is like, they're, they're buying a product and, you know, obviously the ability is important, but especially in the draft, if you go high in the draft and you're a first rounder, like you're going to be doing a ton of interviews. You're going to be, you know, in the limelight a little bit. And they got to make sure that, that you're not going to embarrass them and you're not going to embarrass yourself, you know? So mm-hmm. for you to be able to, formulate a sentence properly is important. So do you do any training um, with your athletes on, you know, things like that, like how to answer? Cause you know, there's probably some guys, if they're drafted really high, they probably get asked the same questions over and over and over again. Like, are you able to help them with kind of, Hey, here's how you, you one can sort of avoid the question and two answer it at the same time. You know, Alex hates that. I'm saying that as a, as a broadcaster journalist, because he, you know, but you, you know what I'm saying, how you try to uh, slightly avoid questions, not to avoid them, but just so you don't have to go any deeper into anything. Um, so is that something that right. you're able to do? Right. Well, and that's, and that's from the big league side all the way down to the guys that are going through the draft and they're doing the in-home interviews with the, the scouts, you know. So it's just something about not necessarily giving cookie cutter answers, but having a few in your back pocket where you know, if you don't have a solid answer or if you um, just things, like you said, there's, you know, a lot of repetitive questions. So things that you can kind of say off the top of your head that makes sense and put you in a good light. I feel like having a few of those in your back pocket and a little bit of prep work before those meetings are important, just so you don't stumble all over yourself or anything like that. But I also encourage all the players to say like, Hey, like I'm not quite sure, you know, it's okay to not know everything, you know? And so just being honest, and, um, you know, open to, you know, whatever interview it's going to be, whether it's media or 
with a, a professional team. Like it's, it's okay to be honest and say, you don't know, but having a few, you know, answers in your back pocket, I feel like are important. Yeah. I, Did you, and oops, I, gonna... I know a lot of people get really nervous during those two, because you want to kind of, what I kind of meant with my question is you want to answer what they want you to say. <laughs> so like, it's, it's what they want. I remember one time I was asked in a pre-draft interview, you know, what kind of person, you know, do I eat, sleep and breathe baseball essentially. And in my head, I'm like, well, when I leave the field, I try to become Vinny Pasquantino, the person, not Vinny Pasquantino, the, the baseball player. But in my head, I'm also thinking, well, he talked about how much they want people to love baseball. So then I'm just sitting there like, should I just say, yes, I eat, sleep and breathe baseball all the time. Or should I tell them the truth that when I leave the field, I try to <laughs> get away from it a little bit. Like, and I was, I just remember it probably took yeah. me 30 seconds just to formulate the answer because I had no clue of what to do. Yeah, no. And there's some, there's some questions that they try to trip you up on just to see how you kind of react. And that's good. Like it's, it's okay to fail. You know, they want, like, even in, you know, in amateur um, baseball, they want to make sure that you know how to come back from failure, you know? So for you to stumble around a question, like, it's okay. You know, there's even like silly questions on these questionnaires now that are like, you know, when you go to the grocery store, do you return the grocery cart to the designated area? Yeah. It's like, yeah. obviously a silly question, but like, who's going to say like, no, I just leave it in my, my parking space. <laughs> you know, like no one's going to say that. Well, I, one of the most meaningful things I remember hearing when uh, when I went through an interview process that will stick to me forever is always know the people that you work with, not for the interview question, but just because it makes you a better person if you know who you're working with. And I, I was asked once, who was the janitor at your high school? Like, what was their name? And I knew the name because because I remember when I was younger that just being, you know, something that you just did you got to know everybody that you worked with and I think whoever was asking me that was pretty impressed that like I actually took the time to get to know somebody that I wouldn't normally interact with so it is it is so funny how those interviews just go everywhere yeah no and that's a good thing like like you said about the janitor like well like one of the biggest things that go viral on social media is when you know someone uh, say LeBron or you know Usain Bolt, like they say, what's up to somebody that's just working there, you know? And it's like, it might be a simple, like they just give them a handshake or a head nod, but it like, it makes them look a certain way to the public, you know? And it's like, we don't know that could be super fake and phony or whatever, but it gives them this perception of like, Hey man, that's a good dude, you know? And, and as a society, we want, we like to see people succeed, you know? And so if it's simple as like, Hey, he seems like a good person. Like it makes it a lot more easy to root for you. Did you like doing interviews uh, either as a player or, or now? Yeah, I think for me, like, cause I never was a, a big time prospect. I, I did get promoted pretty quick once I got drafted, but I think for me, I enjoy it because I saw the benefit of people getting to know me more as a person because I wasn't somebody that was a hot shot draft or a top prospect. So I think it was a, a fuel for me to become sort of a fan favorite because I wanted to be, I wanted to be known, but I also wanted people to know me as more than just a, a baseball player or a, a guy with a, a number on, you know, I wanted mm -hmm. them to, so I invited people into my life, you know, they got to know my wife or, you know, now my son. And so it's just like, especially now with social media, it's, it's a little bit easier, but when I was playing, it wasn't so prevalent. So 
you know, just being able to get on there and people to hear your voice and hear your story was a, it was a big benefit for me. So with your son, uh, are you automatically representing him already? Or <laughs> is he going to go through meetings and have to, you know, decide on his own? Well, that's what's like, people always ask me like, Hey, is he going to like, when's he going to play baseball? When's he going to play baseball? I'm like, honestly, like I struggled with it initially because it is a hard life. You know what I mean? Like being away from your family, like my wife, my wife, I was away from her most of my career. Like I'd be home for three months out of the year. She was working. And so like, it, it's not, you know, all it's cracked up to be. And that's why, like I said earlier about having a love for the game, like it's super important because it's not easy. You know, you can mm. lose track, lose sight of that stuff a, a lot more easy than you think, you know? And so, you know, for my son, it, like, obviously I want him to, I just want him to succeed. You know, whatever it is, I want him to feel like he has a passion for something. I want him to feel like he is special in doing something, whether it's sports or engineering, real estate, like he can pick what he wants. But I think there's something special about feeling good at something, feeling like you're above average or, you know, feeling like you're able to compete and succeed, you know, and I, I, that's what I want for him the most. So I think something that uh, would interest people about agents is you can't just get up one day and say, I, I'm an agent now. Like you can't just call your friends and say, Hey, I'm an agent. I want to represent you guys. This is what I, you know, take in. What was the process to become an agent? Like, uh, you have to take a certification exam. And so once I got hired on with full circle, um, it was a process of, you know, obviously learning on the job from them, um, and being educated from them from the top. And then, um, flying to New York. It's a two day event. Um, first day is like a big old review. They give you your handbooks and all that stuff. And the following day you come through and you take a, you take an exam and um, you pass fail. And, um, but the exam is more for you to learn some of the tidbits, but a lot, a lot of it, I would say would be on the job or from experiencing from somebody else, you know, and learning from somebody else. Cause you know, learning definitions or, you know, learning protocols is, is important and it's valuable. But like I said, the draft and free agency and arbitration, all this stuff is pretty fluid. You know, there's not that many cases where if everything falls in exactly how you planned, you know, so being able to learn on the job and, and trust the people you're working with and learning from them. Um, I feel like that's the biggest benefit. So as an, as an agent, do you specifically like we know you represent baseball players, but say you wanted to represent a basketball player, could you just do that or would you have to pass a different exam um, for that certification? There is a different cert. And then, because uh, the biggest thing is they have a big, they have a different collective bargaining agreement, you know, so they have a different CBA. And so that's the biggest piece of, you know, the ins and outs of that sport, you know, like specifically with say football, um, you know, they, they declare for the draft, you know, and then the agents represent them right away and they, from what I understand, pay up front for any combine costs or any training leading up to the combine. You know, as in baseball, you don't really declare um, because you can turn it down, you know, and then you can go back to school. You don't lose your eligibility that way. And then we don't provide anything of financial value until they're signed and delivered on the pro side, you know. So it's just a, you know, silly things like that where those are the differences where, you know, it's not just easy to just pick up an NFL client versus a baseball client. And in, in baseball, when, I guess in high school, 
baseball's so weird with the rules. So in college, you're technically an advisor, right? Um, right. Because you can't provide anything for the athlete. In high school, are you allowed to be an agent? Or are you technically an advisor before the draft as well? It's the advisor process as well. Because, mm -hmm. you know, going back to the nothing, don't provide anything of financial value. Like, I can't even have an amateur in my car. You know, just stuff like that where it's an advisor role because that's literally what you provide. It's education and then advice and, and kind of just putting their options in front of them in layman's terms and kind of just being a, a middle ground um, sounding board for them because obviously the the pro scouts are going to want them and, and want them to sign because they think they should get into the system sooner. So they're a little biased. And then obviously the college coach is a little biased as well because he wants them on campus and so for us to come in and just say, hey, like this is your options and make sure they feel educated and comfortable with what's going on. It's a lot easier to make a decision that way. So Ethan, uh, this is our favorite part of the interview. It's it's a new segment. Uh, it's called Balls and Strikes. It's not new anymore. It's yeah, not new anymore. We've not... done it for more than half of the episodes. That's true. <laughs> but anyway, so it's a, a segment we do called Balls and Strikes. So it started after Vinny called me out for asking a terrible question. So uh, Vinny's going to start. So if Vinny asks a question you like, you call it a strike. And if he, you don't like the question, you call it a ball. And if you call it a ball, then it goes to me. And then the first person to a strikeout wins. Are you okay. ready? Okay. Yeah. I don't have to uh, answer it, though, right? I just say strike or ball. You uh, you can answer it. Yeah. If it's a strike, you have to answer it. Because, yeah. um, you know. We swing it's a ball, you can... If it's a ball, make as much fun of us as you want um, and just roast us for the questions. So, all right. I got, okay, here it is. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? Ball. <laughs> oh, I just disagree completely. That was an awful question. Disagree. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see here. What would be your going off the favorite... head, Alex? Huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what would be your go-to snack? I'll give that a strike. I would say, um, I honestly, I just like a banana with some peanut butter, and so I'll mm. grab a knife and go straight to the jar, and that's how I'll do it. I, I love it. You know, peanut butter is so underrated. Um, what would you say your favorite sports movie of all time is? Ooh, so that's a strike. Um, any sport. Let's see. Yeah, any sport. I like the natural, man. I'm mm -hmm. a big natural guy. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Vinny, I want to apologize in advance. This is going to be uh three up and three down this is uh gonna be an easy strike so you went to three world series games when the angels made it to the world series what was your favorite game out of those three wow man see he pulled out info that he already has now i feel like that's unfair so <laughs> that's fine that's that's gonna be a strike though um yeah so honestly um I was at the World Series game where Bonds hit the home run off Percival, and that thing was like 800 feet. 
Like that dude hit that ball so far over my head. And just remembering that, um, and Percival was the guy that was like, hey, I'm, I'm challenging you. I don't care who you are. I'm going after you. And, you know, Bonds was the same mentality. And obviously Bonds won that one. But it is hard to beat being at the Game 7, like, celebration party for the Angels, too, in 2002. So, you know, that that's tough to beat as well. So just getting down there to know all the guys. And that's when I just really started to be – a baseball, a true baseball fan. You know, I was 12 years old and that's when I started actually, you know, start to know the players by name and, you know, their numbers and really fall in love for the game. So overall, that was a pretty cool season living 20 minutes from the stadium. And I probably went to, you know, 20, 30 games that year. So it was a pretty cool uh, experience and season. Okay. So congrats, Alex, you win. So we have two show questions that we have to ask. Number one, do you prefer drinking out of glass or plastic cups? Glass. Good answer. Two, and there is a correct answer for this one. <laughs> what is the best position in baseball? It's overall or like? Yeah, not the most important or anything like that. Not the most valuable. What is the best? Shortstop. <laughs> Do you care to expand? Do you care to expand anymore on why the shortstops? You why the, that's the best position. Every kid grows up wanting to be the shortstop, man. Like that's especially when I was growing up, everyone wanted to be the shortstop for the Yankees. Like everyone wanted to be that guy. So typically, like the kids coming up through, like the best athletes are the pitcher and shortstop, you know. And so obviously they expand from that as they get older. But you always put the guy at short. I, I assume Vinny was never the shortstop, so that's probably <laughs> that's not true. Uh, Alex Legion Ball, twenty fourteen, I think. I turned a double play at shortstop, so I don't want to hear it for you from you, Alex. Um, and then <laughs> Ethan, where can everybody find you on social media? Thirty second elevator pitch, blow yourself up. Where can everybody <laughs> find you so they know they know where to follow you after this interview drops? Yeah, uh, Instagram's at Ethan Chapman 23. Uh, Twitter is at Ethan M, as in Matthew Chapman. And then my company is uh, at full circle underscore SM. Ethan, we appreciate you coming on today. I appreciate the time, guys. Thank you. What an interview with Ethan Chapman. I just stole Alex's verbiage right there. That is exactly what he would say. What an interview. We had a phenomenal time with Ethan. Uh, how did I do? How did I do? Uh, you got to go a little slower, Vinny. Oh, a little slower. What an interview with Ethan Chapman. We had a great time sitting down and chatting with him. No, but seriously, that was a great interview. We we're pumped to bring that to you guys. But we have a super special episode coming on Thursday that I think will really excite some people. We have a college, we have a college preview of what's going to happen this season. And we've got some really fun guests that are coming on to the show. Yeah, I can't wait. I, I know I tweeted this too. Like some of these guests that we're getting on all on one show, it's going to be like a must listen to podcast. Like I don't think you would be able to get through an entire college baseball season without listening to this podcast that will be dropping on Thursday. Yep, that's right. What Alex said. So we're pumped for that. We're, we're excited for this preview. And that means baseball season officially for 
Division One begins on Friday. I know some other places have started so far, but their opening day is this Friday, and that's super exciting, and we're pumped to get them on the show. Players are reporting the spring training. Uh, this is the best time of year, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, it's a good time of year for sure. So we're excited for it. And stay tuned. Get ready to listen on Thursday. Awesome. I can't wait. And I know you won't be able to miss it. But again, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button. And if you're listening to us um, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe and drop that five-star review. But you got anything else, Vinny? I got nothing. We'll see you on Thursday. All right. See everyone on Thursday.